generative artificial intelligence has the ability to produce text resembling that generated by humans and can appear to mimic human thought. This technology could have important implications for medical education and medical practice. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Adam Rodman, a hospitalist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center and instructor in medicine at Harvard Medical School. Dr. Rodman has co-authored a perspective article about AI and medical education. Dr. Rodman, how is generative AI currently being used in medical education and medical practice? The short answer is we don't really know. This is all incredibly new technology, which is shocking to think that a year ago, very few people had heard of GPT or large language models at all, and ChatGPT didn't exist yet. I'm a medical educator. I also study digital education and clinical reasoning. And mostly from conversations with my medical students and, and medical students across the country, I know that lots of medical students are using it, but we don't have a sense on how many are using it, what people are using it for. But at least anecdotally, medical students are using ChatGPT. I don't know that their professors know that they're using ChatGPT, and they're using it for a variety of different cognitive tasks. Some of them seem very good. Some medical students are using ChatGPT effectively as a tutor. So they have a clinical case and they will present the language model with the case and then they'll ask questions and GPT will, again, we don't actually know how accurate it is, but GPT will explain things to them with infinite patience and it will help them better prepare for their problem-based learning assignments or even on the wards. I also know that uh, some of my medical students are using ChatGPT to prepare for rounding. So they'll ask questions about problem representations on their patients to get a better sense of the pathology or treatment or questions that they might ask. So using it kind of like a really intelligent up-to-date, again, concerns about accuracy. On the other spectrum, I know some students are using it for assistance in their pre-medical lectures. So I know from some students that people will feed, for example, slide sets into ChatGPT and ask, well, what are the test questions likely to be? So kind of short-circuiting the whole process of learning. Again, these are just anecdotes. I haven't formally studied this, but from my conversations, I know that, and this shouldn't be surprising. As someone who studies digital education, the teachers are always the last people to know, but our learners are using this technology right now. And then what about the future? What do you see as the potential applications in coming years? So to be optimistic, if as an educational tool, large language models can be shown to be reliable, accurate, then I think there are amazing potential uses not just in the undergraduate medical education, but in terms of continuing medical education, in terms of, for example, case presentations. You could have a gamified case presentation system where you're given a case, you can even take a history from a patient, and you can walk through the diagnostic process and get feedback on that as you go along. From an evaluation component, large language models are probably capable, again, this needs to be shown, but they're probably capable of providing meaningful feedback on clinical reasoning in a longitudinal way. So when you are thinking about longitudinal assessment of learners or even of attendings, I think that there's a lot of potential there. And then any new technology, if you look at when podcasts and what was called at the time e-learning was introduced in the early noughts, we didn't really foresee how much medical education would change. And I suspect it's going to be something similar with large language models. We're just at the beginning of this, and it's hard to predict what the uses will be, especially as this technology is changing so rapidly. You say in your article that many valid concerns have been raised about AI's effects on medicine. So what are you worried about? Yeah, and this is where it gets a little interesting because there are, let's call them more immediate worries. So a lot of people who are interested in large language models 
know that they hallucinate. Some people like the medical term of confabulate. And hallucination is effectively making up information. And especially when it comes to knowledge or knowledge recall, so uh, ChatGPT in particular is notorious for hallucinating references. So it'll tell you something really helpful. And what it tells you may be true, but it's a fundamental limitation of large language models as they exist right now that they can't access their own database. So it will make up a real sounding reference. And again, for me, I've been doing this for a long time. That's less of a concern for me because I wouldn't just trust ChatGPT if it tells me something I'd always look it up anyway. But for early learners or people who may not be as familiar with ChatGPT, this is a huge issue. I mean, there was the legal case where somebody used confabulated references like in an actual legal case and had to apologize to the judge, a lawyer did. The other thing is bias. Large language models are trained on our outputs and humans are very biased, racially biased, uh, sex biased. We do this in medical education as well. We still have a tendency to use, I don't want to say stereotypes, but use racial constructs to teach about the epidemiology of certain diseases. And there is data that suggests that GPT-4, when it comes to these biases, reflects the same biases that humans have. So that's also a concern if you are learning in a case-based way, that it may end up cementing or reinforcing many of those biases that we already have in medical education. What really worries me is the bigger picture, and this is not a one-year problem, this is more of a five-year problem, is the bigger picture of what it means to train the human mind as a medical educator. We have a, let's say, I'm a historian, so this is part of my problem. We probably have a 200-year history of cognitive apprenticeship in medicine, and we have a pretty decent idea on how doctors learn. And learning is sometimes unpleasant. It is work. And it involves seeing a lot of patients and it involves thinking about those patients and getting feedback on them in a structured way. That has been the way that we know that doctors learn. My worry and my big picture worry is that large language models, and maybe not now, but I suspect that it'll be in the near future, people are already using it for this, but they're going to be able to automate some of those cognitive processes. I mean, you see it in the excitement of GPT-4 being able to complete notes. This is something that people are exciting about. But in fact, writing a note is a cognitive process. It's a process where you sit down and you think about the patient in front of you and you put them together. And I worry that, especially with newer generations of learners, but all of us, that we're going to get to the point that we're offloading a lot of this cognitive work that is necessary to train your brain in order to become a really competent physician. And other technologies, like this is not the first major technological shift in medicine, of course. It's not even the first major epistemic or epistemological shift. But I worry that medical education has focused on this sort of cognitive apprenticeship model, this cognitive model for so long that we're not prepared for what happens when a medical student from the first day of medical school is using a large language model to augment their clinical reasoning. So then how can educators teach students and trainees to use AI in effective and ethical ways? And is there a role for governing bodies in this area? You're not going to like my answer, Dr. Morrissey, because I don't know. This is all so new. There are only a few of us, and I, I will admit I'm not one of them, only a few of us who saw the impact that large language models were going to have before ChatGPT was released. That was not me. I was caught by surprise just like everybody else. But there have already been some attempts to talk about best practices on how to teach medical students. And it's not just medical students, residents and continuing medical education on best practices on using large language models. But this is also new and things are going to change. What I would love to see is our major educational bodies, so the ACGME, and also our major medical societies 
start to have conversations and come up with best practices on how these things should be used and how we should talk to our patients about that. Let's say that in a world, doctors never use large language models. Well, our patients are using them. I know that our patients are asking health questions of them right now. They're asking personal health questions. Sometimes patients, and this is concerning, of course, because of the privacy issues around uh, ChatGPT in particular, but patients are putting in their own health information into ChatGPT and asking questions of it. So even if we're just talking about how to communicate with our patients about large language models, I hope that our professional societies are going to take a leading role. Finally, what can both individual physicians and health systems do to promote the safe and appropriate integration of AI into medical practice? How can the medical community ensure that this integration is being driven by clinicians and not primarily by technology companies? That is a wonderful question. I have real opinions on this one. So in my opinion, first, doctors need to engage with these technologies now. And there are, of course, large language models. It's a type of foundational model, but there are other forms of artificial intelligence. But doctors need to start engaging with this now. And doctors need to advocate on the standards that we think are acceptable for the safe use of artificial intelligence in medical practice. I don't see that happening now. I don't see our professional societies coming together and saying, these are what an AI system has to do in order for us to say that it's safe to use, for example, an electronic medical record system or safe to use in a voice-to-text system. And things are moving really, really quickly. If you look at EHR implementation, that happened over decades. And this is happening over, again, it hasn't even been a year. So I know that people are working on this. I'm working on this from a research perspective, but doctors need to, and it has to be driven by our societies, have to think of the standards by which these things are going to be safe, by which these things are going to be used, and advocate for that in a coordinated fashion. Thank you, Dr. Rodman.